we're celebrating the 75th birthday of Stephen King. Cassian Andor is back in a new and very different feeling Star Wars show. Don't Worry Darling was released finally amidst all the crazy drama surrounding that movie. There's also new trailers for an M. Night Shyamalan movie and a new Hellraiser movie as well as a weird bit of news about a reboot of The Karate Kid that's got nothing to do with The Karate Kid or Cobra Kai or anything else to do with The Karate Kid that people actually enjoy, which is weird. It's also the glasses episode of Monday Madness today, although I may take mine off pretty shortly. Welcome to The Madness! I've taken my glasses off. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Monday Madness. It was such Morgan. a vibe. Was it a vibe? Should I put them back on? I don't yes, know. I, mean, I take we, them off and we're put the them blue on. Light, we're the blue light posers today. We don't normally wear glasses. We just, you know, need them to deflect negative lights that screw with our eyes. So. Yes, it's just mine, unfortunately, have a lot of glare, glare from yeah. lights for... for <laughs> lovely people watching monday madness um but they do help i mean they do help it has to be said yes glasses they actually help really do when you're looking at lights and screens and things of that nature it's very very true um but yes we're back monday madness with morgan and the machine hello the machine hello the morgan how are we? Are we excited? Yes, a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. So yes, I'm ready to get into it. I think it's a fairly celebratory episode today, especially with our Let's Talk being a celebration of the 75th birthday of Stephen King. Yeah, last week. A, a, mm -hmm. An enormous name in, uh, in in horror, obviously. We are keeping the horror theme going. Yes, but also he, he has a very season. kind of vast genre of of stories that he writes so he does he does but mostly known for the horror definitely <clears throat> yes of, of course he king of modern horror yes the, the king of kings no that's jesus isn't it i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> i don't know what i'm i'm, I'm likening stephen king to jesus now yeah, i've gone a bit good. insane well, but... <laughs> um i apologize for the christians watching that i have uh, offended, <laughs> offended with that past statement um but we are talking about stephen king and, and some of our favorite movie adaptations of his in our let's talk but there's obviously loads to talk about in the what's up segment to begin with janine yes. should i ask the question go for it sup janine a lot is up, Morgan. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, what are we yes. starting off with? Well, I mean, I think mostly everything we have to talk about in this segment is pretty positive. So we'll get the negative thing out of the way. Okay. Uh, okay. Apparently, there was a little bit of gossipy drama happening with Adam Levine of Maroon 5. He's uh, nice. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's always fun. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't um, weird people out at all. No, not at all. Uh, so a woman who is an Instagram model, she came forward and apparently said that she had been having a years-long affair with Adam Levine. 
Lovely. And she wasn't going to come forward, but one of her friends she had shared screenshots with, and they were going to go to a publication with them. So to squash the story or get her side out of the story and not allow her friend to like make any money off of her, she decided to tell her truth, as she's saying. So, um, yeah, she also shared um, that she had recently got a message from Adam Levine, uh, who asked her if the child that he is about to have with his wife uh, is a boy. Could he name the child after her? So her name is Sumner. So he was like, I want to name our child a Sumner if it's a boy. So his How wife unusual. is unusual. Yes. So according to her, yes, this was a message sent by him recently in reference to his currently pregnant wife. So it's a whole kind of gossip, a very much he said, she said situation. Who's telling the truth? Adam Levine has come forward and spoke about the fact that, um, yes, he did have a inappropriate flirtatious message relationship with her, but not an actual physical relationship with her. So... Look, That's kind admittedly, of where it stands right now. Th- this is kind of the nonsense that I don't tend to pen to, to pay much attention <laughs> yeah. to. But I have seen on Twitter everybody's making jokes about this ridiculous message that he's supposedly sent her about how good her body looks, and people are just putting silly inserting weird over, pictures over the top of it, like yes. obviously incredibly ridiculous. Yeah, like SpongeBob or something. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, your body is just out of this world. I can't even fathom how absurd <laughs> your body is. Yes. And it's just like a picture of Mike Wazowski or something like that. Yes. It's just funny. It's, it's just definitely funny. been memed to hell already. We so like yeah, memes. Just just a very much he said, she said gossip. I don't really know where I stand on it. Um, it seems very weird, her timing of revealing it and um, mm, nah, you nah, know, I, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about either of them or kind of, you know, he's saying that, yes, he did have a flirtatious relationship with her through text, but never actually met up with her or had a physical relationship with her. And she's saying otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've seen enough from either of them to really kind of choose a side. Uh, but yeah, just very interesting to see how this is going to play out. But so far, we're getting some very interesting memes. So yeah, that's kind of where is my, my opinion lands on that situation. But <laughs> As far as that, as far as I'm concerned, it simply furthers my image of Adam Levine, which is just someone who just looks a bit smarmy. nasty. Yeah, he is. He is said to be kind of smarmy and also kind of just one of those shitty celebrities who very full really of himself. Who to full of himself talks down to fans, not really yeah. appreciative. That I get the vibe. Yeah, I get the vibe. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, yeah you, I don't know. <laughs> if you have an opinion about this, if you care about this, if you are on one of these people's sides, leave it in the comments below. Yeah, leave some memes <laughs> as well. We like memes. Yes, yes. We would love to you see can do some that. memes of this. Um, <laughs> moving funny. forward, um, we had Tom Hardy quietly enter into a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament and proceed to win the tournament. <laughs> yes, I did see this as well. This was very strange. I mean... Strange, but not strange, because we know from a, a pretty notable movie that he did a little over 10 years ago that Tom Hardy can fight. Yes, and well. also, it's just like, imagine walking up, seeing Tom Hardy, and then you're just like, nope, not getting my back broken today. <laughs> and then just walking <laughs> 
you were little Bane. You broke Batman's back, and you expected. You would be a little bit taken aback, wouldn't you, if you showed up to this as a? He kind of would just just tell people, just try not to think about it being me, and just do your best, like please, like. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's he's. You know, nobody's gone soft on him or gone easy on him or anything like that. And all, all, all power to Tom Hardy for doing things outside of just what he's most known for. Yeah, you know why not? Yeah, he said people are allowed to have lives. And entering this tournament has given him more focus and uh, has helped him with his mental health and his sobriety. So um, good for him for just bettering himself and doing something outside the box and just still trying to like live life like a normal person. And, you know, it was was great. I'm really happy for him. Doing something like that for that reason is just brilliant. And we we like Tom Hardy. We we don't necessarily like Adam Levine. We like Tom Hardy. We do like Tom Hardy. He's great. So that was really kind of a nice, fun little story, fun little surprise seeing him. Yeah. Just pop up in this tournament and win. So yay! The opening, li- the opening little snippets of what's up have been uh, significantly different attitudes to the individuals involved. Yeah, from us, <laughs> I think it has to be said. Um, we do like Tom Hardy. Fair play to Tom Hardy. Give him a professional, you know, jujitsu uh, run. Yeah, let's see if he can. He wants to kind of do more stuff, so that'd be really fun. I mean, I don't um, mind. I don't mind that. You know, when people have like a defined martial art, and yeah. that's that's what they practice, or even like boxing. Like, I have respect for boxing, but I refer to MMA as professional beating each other up, <laughs> which is just I mean, it. It just seems fair. like you just have a, a a brawl. Anything goes. You just have a. A, a brawl and i don't get it i've never got it i've never understood the appeal of mma and ufc but individual fighting styles boxing jiu-jitsu karate individual martial arts i i yeah to dedicate I, I, I respect to them i respect yeah. them a lot to dedicate your time and energy in your body to something so kind of specific that you have to kind yeah. of, you know, know specific moves and work certain parts of your body. And yeah, it takes a lot. So whenever yeah. I've come across MMA and, and UFC, it just seems like two people just dive on top of each other, pound well, each other's I mean, heads that's into probably the ground. What laid the base for what Tom Hardy knew of jujitsu to begin with. I mean, probably. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, sure. The training for warrior, but uh, uh, yeah. Uh, definitely a, a discipline that deserves respect for sure. Someone who uh, someone who does like the UFC and things like that, please try and explain to me why it's not just professional beating each other up because it very much comes across as that. I mean, I think that that's just a kind of silly name, so they just need to make it sound more kind of uh, you know specified. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, we also got a couple of movie trailers. I mean, we are having Ooh, a we t- great. We start, are we starting with the trailers then for our movie-related topics? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I'm just loving 2022. This has been a great year for horror films. We are uh, yes. just having a lot. Horror fans are eating very good right now. Um, Definitely. And yeah, so we're getting more of that. This seems like this very kind of weird M Night Shyamalan movie, A Knock at the Cabin. Not is that what it's called? It knock at the Cabin. Yes. Yes. Um, with uh, Dave Bautista, and he's kind of 
one of four people who come and infiltrate this uh, gay couple and their daughter staying vacationing in this cabin and they come and kind of kidnap them and tell them you know they have to make this choice because these the four of them are trying to end the apocalypse so it's like are they crazy people is this something that's really happening like this is Shyamalan there'll be some sort of cult thing going on won't yeah they? or it so... will it will perhaps be an apocalypse but it will all be revealed that it's really just a, a village an Amish village in the middle of a field somewhere that was actually in the real world all the time <laughs> the village <laughs> yeah um, but I mean it could be something like a ready or not that like ended possibly. up yeah like I mean the family was trying to stop some curse that they didn't even really know or believe was real and it yeah. turns out it actually was so um it could yeah. be a situation like that. I, like that. I mean, I don't know. Um, it's, it but... tends to be fun to 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 figure out what's it's going to happen in Shyamalan movies, doesn't yeah. it? Yes, and I mean, I didn't actually watch his newest outing old. I heard kind of weird things about Neither it. Neither did I, actually, yeah. and that's reminded me that I probably should have. Yeah, um, I mean, because I'm not one to fully kind of like, oh, people said it was bad, so I'm not going to watch it. If it's something that I want to watch, I'm going to watch it regardless. Definitely. Say yeah. about it. But, I mean, there was enough kind of talks out there about just how it was just very weird and it wasn't really scary and the twist was not, you know, as strong as we've seen and i mean and then i just didn't really just kind of in seeing the premise it didn't really pull me into kind of be like i need to watch this now so it was something i felt for comfortable waiting on and i still just haven't <laughs> watched it yet so no this one this one looks interesting though this knock yes, at the cabin I'm looks really interesting curious. yeah i'm really curious it's, to see it's interesting to see here. dave batista do different slightly different things as well that aren't just big hulking brute role well i mean yeah i mean he's kind of become this like acting snob almost like <laughs> a little bit well i mean he's bit. made comments like i think he's been approached to do like fast and furious movies and he kind of like turned up his nose like i'm trying to be a real actor like he kind of had that attitude but, when asked about doing movies like that but also that's i mean yes it's snobbish but I, not a like, bad attitude. Yeah, no. But then you see him do things like this commercial called The Streamer where he's playing like this old fisherman advertising st streaming services. <laughs> like, you know. Well, I don't know. And doing uh, I, I doing don't. doing the big guy little girl nanny movie, you know? So like, then yes. you see him do things like that and Stuber. Um yes, that's and then a you good wonder point. You know, so I'm like, I get that. Like, you want to be seen as a serious actor. You kind of want to jump over all the hoops The Rock had to to get where he is. Yeah. Um, and not do all these kinds of silly movies or, you know, uh, to to get where you want to be. Uh, but then you're doing, like, silly things anyway. So that's why it was just kind of like... I, okay. I will be honest with you, though. <laughs> I... I've never been massively into The Rock anyway. In movies or otherwise. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't really know why, um, you know, B Black Adam, for example, that's not too far off now, what, yeah, like, a, a month or really, so away. I'm not as excited as, about that movie as I should be. I'm really not. I'm really I'm not. And this is very unusual, but I'm really not. Yes. And I'm kind of more excited to see Aldous Hodge as like Hawkman and <laughs> <laughs> and Pierce Brosnan as, as Dr. Yeah. Fate. 
Yes. Yes. So, so I mean, I, yeah, like I, I saw a trailer during like and a different trailer that kind of showed a little bit more um, in Don't Worry Darling. And I thought that I'm still just not. I don't know. You know, as far as wrestlers, WWE wrestlers who became big movie stars, I, I, I prefer watching Dave Batista. Yeah. To to Dwayne Johnson, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, and I I, re- I respect him, and I, and I appreciate him like wanting to have this more elevated career and do more interesting things, and not just jump into kind of you know these goofy blockbusters. Yeah, which is also kind of what John Cena did. But I actually think John, I think John Cena's pretty funny. When yeah, he wants to be. he's surprisingly funny. So, um, yeah, Peacemaker is great, and I I can't wait for you to actually get an opportunity to watch it. I, I definitely can watch it and have been able to for ages and never have. Okay, well, you need to. It's great. It's really <laughs> you, good. I just got it significantly later than the US did. Yes, um, but you you need to watch Peacemaker. But I can great. watch it. I know. I, <laughs> yes. I, know, I know I can watch it. Now. We'll have to do a whole kind of discussion when the new season's about to come out and then, you know, track yeah. it back for you. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I commend him for wanting to have this more elevated career, but then I've also seen him do some pretty goofy things, so then it kind of just contradicts that. But, you know, I appreciate him really trying to cultivate this career for himself and do his own thing, so yeah, uh, yeah great to see him doing kind of a more serious, maybe almost horror, thriller, Shyamalan vibe type movie. So, and, and obviously, I, I appreciate that this trailer left a lot to be imagined and didn't... An really awful lot. It barely away. told you anything, really, did it? Yes. It set so, up an aesthetic. It set up a, a feeling and you kind of just very see who's in it and you see your characters and uh set up some tense moments so yeah i'm based off of this trailer i'm really curious about this movie and Definitely. you know i always appreciate you know whether i may not love everything that Shyamalan does i always appreciate you know that there's some thought there there's some creativity there Absolutely. that we're getting some original ideas and original content as opposed to kind of regurgitated legacy things that are connected to something else and all of that kind of stuff <laughs> Absolutely, and look, I we we I remember when we did a, a Shyamalan series on Morgan hasn't seen, and I was opened up to far more M Night Shyamalan movies than I had originally watched, and he's made some really good movies. Yeah, I mean, yes. I made a I made I might have made a joke about the Village before, but I still think the Village is it's his great. best movie. I knew you were gonna love that because it's definitely like so your aesthetic. Or it's my favorite Shyamalan movie. And it really, honestly, is. I think it's great. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, your, your Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and, 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 and Split and whatever you think about Glass. I, I, I didn't mind Glass. I thought Glass was quite good. The Visit's great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's... By all means, this could be another great Shyamalan movie. And yes. I hope it is. I hope it is. It, it looks interesting. I, I, I have added to my watch list so to speak yay knock on the cabin which really should have a, a door in the title shouldn't it yeah and, like it feels like the cat the the, the uh, knock the on the door knock short. on the cabin door yes knock, yeah, on, knock was... on the cabin knock at the cabin yes knock at the cabin still it should be called knock at the cabin yeah something with door. the title felt, I mean, it felt like something was missing there are, but, you, are you knocking um, at the cabin roof are you knocking at the cabin wall at the cabin on the wall on the side on, on the, the window. porch of the cabin yeah <laughs> 
Um, so yes, definitely that title leaves something to be desired, but in, in the Hopefully content, the movie doesn't. Yes, the content of the trailer looked very intriguing. Uh, we also got a trailer for the new Hellraiser, a Hulu original yes, kind of readaptation of now. Yes. Um, this... I was never a huge Hellraiser fan. I mean, I've only seen the first movie, but very much kind of dark gothic concepts happening there, which are very interesting. Like I didn't hate the first movie. Um I admittedly have very also iconic horror figure. Yeah. I admittedly have also only actually seen the first Hellraiser. This is something I want to change. Um Arrow Video do a really nice Hellraiser trilogy box set now that I kind of want to get. Okay. So I I I own the first Hellraiser on a DVD. I, I can't even remember what features if anything is on that, but I want I want to get this kind of this set because it's a really nice looking set full of stuff and i mean i'm into hellraiser i like the first hellraiser a lot i've not watched it in ages and yeah, for some either. reason never seemed to to have the Gravity desire to put it on but yeah. I, whenever i see it on say i'm watching a horror documentary and there's a little bit that shows clips from it, hellraiser yeah. i'm always like oh yeah i should watch hellraiser again hellraiser's great yeah because i always say that hellraiser's great i always say i like hellraiser i think it's weird it's incredibly unique it's it's sadistic it's full of just bizarre kind of control imagery um otherworldly powers and, and yeah demonic curses and things like this it's completely out of a, a maniac's mind and, and clive barker's i think involved in this one as well yes mm -hmm. yeah so and this is a reimagination so it's not like it's not one of the sequels or anything like that it's a it's a re you can't call it a reboot really can you it's just doing it's bringing hellraiser i suppose more modern yeah it's, it's pretty even... much the same idea yes but just a modern take on it and i mean it's even the puzzle box is more interesting because from what i remember like the puzzle box didn't really do much you kind of just like touched it like like a genie lamp and then you no, it, know. It, it, it moved around I mean, quite a bit it had its own little um movements to it i don't think it but i don't uh, i don't remember it being as intricate as what we're seeing in this movie so maybe not as visually but yeah when you explain or when characters in the movie explain this is the puzzle box you you come to know that it's particularly intricate you might not you know i, I don't actually think you do necessarily see it perform but really we're more interested in what uh pinhead and the cenobites look like anyway yeah because you know pinhead is is particularly iconic as a horror i mean and even just seeing that silhouette I in the trailer like you didn't need to see their face like the silhouette was enough no. that you knew what it was who it was uh so yeah i'm really interested in this um people really love pinhead and pinhead in especially the first hellraiser like i said i haven't actually seen the other hellraisers but i'm led to believe he's in it a little bit more um he's barely in that first movie yeah and he says it, like, like three lines Yes, and to be so iconic of that franchise is, is a testament, you know. What so. are those lines, though? We'll tear your soul apart, and we have such sights to show you, and it's just 
beautiful delivery. Yes. Um, Wasn't there some dubbing done or something in that movie? I can't remember. I have no idea. I want to say there? some. Not to yes. Pinhead. I don't remember. Not to Pinhead. I want to say there were some dubbings maybe with the actors. Probably something to do with um, Frank, who was a corpse walking. Probably yeah. something to do with him. Yeah. Um, not Andrew Robinson. I mean, then he's great in that as well. Should yeah. watch Hellraiser. Let's go. I know. Hellraiser. We should. We should. It's been a while. Um, let's, yeah. Let's return to Hellraiser. But no, this looks interesting to me. I'm, it does. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of. I'm into a reimagining of Hellraiser because I think it's a. Uh, it is. It's. It's. I think our attitude to Hellraiser exact is exactly what mainstream horrors attitude to Hellraiser is, is that, oh yeah, Hellraiser's great. I don't watch it, but it's great. It's great, yeah. There's but a it's like, it's trying, it's all, it's it wants good, to get like... people to watch it again. It yeah. wants to get people into Hellraiser, much yeah, like yeah. much like people have been returning to, you know, the Halloween movies significantly yeah. since mm -hmm. 2018 came out. Yes. Um, I'm sure it, it probably wants that for Hellraiser as well because it's a it's a fair franchise. You know, it's got its it's got its sequels. I can't is it is it three? Has it just got three? Is it the three like Hellraiser movies or there's, is the more? I think it's three or four, maybe, maybe four, but I'm not sure. No, there no, there is three because that arrow video set is Has a trilogy. Fact. But I don't know, is there like a fourth one that's not completely connected Possibly. to those or something like that? I don't remember. Possibly. Hellraiser is um, not my area of expertise. Yeah, I'll be definitely honest. not. Um, but another thing, getting a reboot uh, potentially is Karate Kid. <laughs> yes, I, I alluded to this in the intro, didn't I? The the rebooting the Karate Kid. Now we have Cobra Kai now, don't we? Everybody loves Cobra. Literally, everybody loves Cobra Kai. Yes. Some people have fallen off Cobra Kai because what's happened, what I have always feared would happen with Cobra Kai seemingly happened for some people where it's just gone a bit overblown in itself and needs to needs to calm itself down. <laughs> needs to stop doing the same storylines over and over and over again. Yeah, that's kind of what this, this most recent season felt like. So I'm kind of like, oh, Morgan needs was to stop right. Doing that. <laughs> needs to stop doing that, Cobra yeah. Kai. Naughty Cobra Kai. <laughs> but it's a very, very successful TV show and people generally very much like it and just really appreciate the concept of of them continuing the story of the original yeah. films um so this new karate kid is a a, a, a reboot that it's a reimagining or reimagining doesn't involve any of the karate kid slash cobra kai cast so your actual here's the karate kid cast this is another jaden smith karate kid movie but it's not another. But it's not with Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan. No. Um. Um. So I was watching Three C Films, and he was talking about this website, Murphy's Multiverse, who actually scooped the story of a Karate Kid reboot happening, and um, this wasn't confirmed by. You know, he said he had sources, the Murphy's uh, Multiverse website 
articles said that they had sources that said this was happening, but there weren't really like any official reports. Okay. Um, and he and he also had a plot, a potential plot synopsis in his article. And then I think maybe like a week or two later, then it was actually announced that it was happening. So he did get that right. So okay. if that was correct, potentially this uh, synopsis that he gave might also be how they're doing it, which the story basically is a 17 year old, like a teenager. He moves um, from, I can't remember where they said from. Is it like from Hong China? Kong. I think it from, was from China. Yeah, from China to Brooklyn or New York or something. And he already knows Kung Fu. So it's, it's, so it's like the Jaden Smith where it's not actually karate, it's Kung Fu. Um, and, Name recognition. <laughs> yes, right? Don't you love it. Yes. And um, he befriends this man who owns a pizza shop and his daughter. And I guess the pizza shop guy is getting bullied. So he, the, the kid ends up being the one teaching the man how to fight so that he can defend his shop and his daughter. And I'll be so honest with you. That's kind certainly, of a switch. It's certainly an interesting way of reimagining a, a story like yeah. it. I just don't understand why it's the karate kid, though. Why can't yeah. it just? Why be, can't it just be something else? Yeah, uh, uh, something totally else. It can, and have that concept because it wouldn't be like if you had a, an original movie with a totally unique title that came out with that story you've just described. Nobody would think it's got anything to do with. Nobody would think it's a Karate Kid ripoff. And people would would describe in in talking about it, they'd be like, "It's like a reverse Karate Kid." And but people do that all the time as, as a movies. positive. People yes, with, exactly. They find aesthetics in other movies, and when describing a movie they're reviewing or whatever, they can take those two films or that one film and and use it as the descriptor. But it's still its own thing. And this yeah, movie feels very much, this concept why. feels very much its own thing where you could put that descriptor on it. It's a reverse Karate Kid. But obviously that feels very much like it could be its own separate thing, especially when it's not dealing with characters or anything connected to those other universes of film. So, I mean, I it's think it's a cool weird. concept. I think it's fun, but I don't know that they're using that IP and title for more than just the name recognition and get butts in the No, seats. which come, which so, does come across as a, a little bit shady. Little, yes, a little bit like why, why, why are you bothering? Yes, why are you but this bothering? is not an official report. This is just what this person, Murphy's yeah. multiverse, said that uh, what what a potential plot could be. So this this potential plot has not been announced. The only announcement that has been made is that they are potentially making this movie and that it has nothing to do with Cobra Kai. So still sounds like an interesting story, though. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is something that maybe Cobra Kai need to try and do. Rather than, you know, like have one of the kids teach an adult karate rather than just fighting with each other all the time. Yes. Get it all. Oh, are we upset with each other again? Which side's Robbie on now? Yeah. That's, that's just Cobra Kai <laughs> for 17 seasons, isn't it? Oh, yes, he's changed again. Oh, he's back to where he was before. God, everybody goes around in circles. Round and round and round. Yes. Show. Yes. Um, and so this fifth this fifth season felt a very much like kind of the thing happening that you kind of said was going to happen. So yeah, uh, yeah, well, you know, six we'll th get into that six seasons week. coming, and if they don't put Hillary Swank in it, 
then I know oh my I'm like is gonna be a seven. Put Hillary Swank, and then I'll be I'll be okay for the. And showing. then we'll be done. Just finish yes. then. Yes. <laughs> Everybody else has yes. actually come back now. Yes. Yeah, so even, <gasps> even Robin Lively. Robin Lively is back. Yes. So yes. apparently she's kind of the one who set up Daniel in his life. Okay. So they were friends who grew up together. Because there's that whole episode where the wife goes, takes the kids, and goes to hang out with Robin Lively. I mean, yeah. that's it. <laughs> I like that. Yes. I like that. I've been pining for Robin Lively on this show and for years. And she looked years. great. She looked great. So, uh, yeah. And she kind of gives the wife insight on, like, why. Because uh, she was there. She was one of the few people there in the show that can attest to the uh, the Silva Yes, <laughs> the events of, of part the Terry three. Silva, yeah, the Terry Silva yes, drama. Yes, of course. Yeah. But no, we uh... and that Barnes guy. I think actually like beat her up. Like he kicked her and stuff. <laughs> like, um, we don't. Which like he comes Mike back Barnes. as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, he he he. They do some Mike Barnes redemption things in this in, in this season. So. Well, they try that with everybody, don't they? Yeah, they kind of. Apart do. from Terry. But, <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, so definitely an intriguing premise, and I'm curious to get more info on it and see if that's actually going to be the real plot of what this movie's going to be about. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Yes. Uh, and then we got some more uh, Disney Plus Star Wars content. Oh, yes. Well, let's Andor uh, series. Yes. Uh, they released of, the first couple, three episodes of Andor. Yeah, a couple of reviews now for uh, to, to, to kind of finish up our WhatsApp, I suppose. So yes. maybe a bit more slightly lengthier discussions on these than we've... Uh, yes had on the rest of it i think because i think the these two things deserve almost full full reviews maybe no heavy spoilers or anything like that but like you say the first three episodes of star wars and or have now uh Dropped. have now come out i think are they are they are they wednesdays is it wednesdays i think it's gonna out? be wednesdays yes um, um so there's another show that we all have to watch alongside yeah. she hulk rings of power and house of the dragon so much <sighs> yeah it's a lot it's a lot of content um but yeah i mean i'm enjoying it i i was never the hugest star wars fan but all of kind of you know force awakens awened an interest in me in star wars to kind of the force <laughs> was awakened within it, it literally was because you know it made me kind of want to go back and really invest in um the older films which i had seen but i just hadn't yeah. seen them a lot or really kind of took the time to understand the universe that much well, um so the force well. awakens made me want to kind of go back and, and so i got into them a little bit more from that and uh you know so while i'm definitely no, not very knowledgeable with my star wars i've loved the mandalorian i've loved book of boba fett and all the kind of the content we've got since then um i really did enjoy rogue one and i liked that character cassian andor so um yeah. i am uh, simply interested to see if your um somewhat recently since at least the the sequel trilogy began um whether your knowledge newfound knowledge of star wars will become fruitful in our game that we have uh, later on probably not as we have probably a star not. wars game later <laughs> I on will, i will definitely be failing that for sure 
Do you all remember when we had that MCU casting game? The quick fire? We're doing it with Star Wars today. It's going to be great. Stick around for the end of the show. Yeah, I'm going to lose, one. so it's it's going to be fun. Janine might not um, lose. You know, you could pick anybody. You could have picked anybody. Well, I made mine get a little bit more difficult as you go along. So we're going to have three rounds of, so did of rapid fire questions of who plays who. So, um, yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Stick around. That's probably in about uh, an hour's time. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Yes. Exciting. Do better than me in the yes. comments. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the show. I think it definitely didn't really grab me until the third episode um it's kind of just a really kind of a bit of a slow burn a bit of a build-up um and just kind it's of a welcome difference i think yeah and i really liked his character and kind of seeing where he's starting off and even just knowing what his initial mission is he's trying to find his sister so yeah. that is already kind of like getting you intrigued and i think there's a lot of kind of speculation and theories like okay he's on this big mission to find his sister we get to see the backstory of that he kind of pretty much abandoned her in a lot of ways and so yeah. now when he finds her she's going to be some kind of big wig on the dark side is kind of the theory that people are well, you know quite with. possibly you know <laughs> yeah. quite possibly we obviously know where Cassian Andor ends up because we, we met him in Rogue One and he died at the end of yes. Rogue One. Like most everybody who, in fact, every major cast member of Rogue One died ended up dead. That was the whole point. Um, but no, he was a, a very, very interesting character in Rogue One. Anyway, he clearly had and always had um, a a past to him that would be interesting to explore and now we're actually getting into we're, we're it. getting into it and like you said it is it's a slow it's a slow burn but it's a welcome difference in i think pace and tone for star wars because even i mean i suppose mandalorian at times has been quite plodding i i i think that's a positive about mandalorian you know, sometimes I think it's it's nice to just wander around um, and, and go to different places and do something there that maybe doesn't seem overly hugely relevant to, you know, massive, uh, you know, the massive storyline of the season or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um. So I, I never mind that. I think with something like this, though, because it's quite a focused show, you know, The Mandalorian still has a... Uh, big scale tone to it, yeah. even though it is about you know just the Mando, just Mando and, and, and Grogu. Um, it's still you're still now, certainly now you are dealing with your main major tier, top tier Star Wars characters, and it they are heavily involved with the big dogs, you know. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, this Cassian Andor story, Cassian Andor was a fascinating character in Rogue One. Rogue One is a great movie. Um, but it's a very, very this kind is of just small him world, and his intimate own kind of problem in his very intimate, intimate journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very grounded. Yes. I wouldn't call it dark. It's no like darker than other things we've seen from um some things in Star Wars, but it's 
very much more grounded. Yes, I and I think it's building grounded Star Wars thing yes. you've seen. And I think it's building to him becoming this revolutionary. So yeah. um, I'm curious to see what instills that in him that will kind of draw him away from, if not like put a pin in this mission to find his sister um, in order to kind of have this bigger picture ideal of, of helping um, and doing good uh, and putting kind of his own personal things aside for the for the greater good for the picture so for the bigger picture so um that's where the third episode kind of leaves us off and i think that's what got me the most excited because it's like okay yeah. now we're kicking off to how this person becomes the person we met in rogue one and him getting on that path and um so i'm, I'm really kind of curious to see how it that the the next couple episodes are going to build that within him and make him that person. Yeah, um, there's there's two seasons. There's going to be two seasons of it, and I think by the end of that second season, we'll basically be at the start of Rogue One. Yes, I'm led and, to believe uh, so. Yes, and Diego Luna he did announce at D23 that he was one of the producers on the show, so he was really excited to have the opportunity to be involved in that way. And he kind of talks about it as like 24. Um, movies basically that he got to make okay. you know okay. um so every episode he's taking it like a piece of film I mean, so, you, can't um, fault, you can't fault diego and it did feel yes yes i love that like uh you know hispanic latino men are kind of taking over star wars with the uh, you know poe dameron and now <laughs> they really <laughs> have pedro been. pascal and now and now diego luna so they really um, really have you know been. really kind of getting these standout iconic characters so even yeah, though poe dameron still has the stupidest line in star wars history unfortunately doesn't he well, kind of does though look what? you say whatever you want about some of the lines in the prequels there ain't no stupider line than somehow palpatine has returned <laughs> yeah that it's explains it all line. that's all we need to know <laughs> idiocy idiocy from the rise of skywalker but oh god if i start talking about things like that i'm gonna get abused on the internet aren't i obviously because this is why i distance myself from from star wars and i think that's unfortunate it's unfortunate and that may be why i i've enjoyed these first three episodes like you said i i, I felt much more into it after the third episode um but I, I i admittedly i find it hard to get as excited about star wars as i once did and this is simply a fandom issue yes it is got nothing to do with the actual quality of product well I, I do think the rise of skywalker was a pretty feeble attempt at retroactively making a sequel to uh yeah they really what it was all supposed to be but that's simply poor planning Poor planning for that trilogy, and, and that's been and gone now, and it is what it is. The fact of the matter is, what's come since then, i.e. Mandalorian-based content, yes, Mandalorian-based television shows slash Book of Boba Fett has kind of been great. Yeah. Absolutely so, great. We definitely have been, uh, have been uh, very blessed. Stick to TV. Keep sticking to TV, yes, Star Yes, because you're really telling some rich stories and, and creating some really uh, 
wonderful characters that we want to see more of and that we're really in- invested in their stories. So I'm really liking who's involved. It's people who really care about fran- like the franchise, who care about Star Wars, who've grown up on it, who know it well. Dave Filoni yeah. kind of having his hand in all of this is really great because, you know, you, you kind of really trust him at this point. So, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying the show so far. I think the third episode definitely was what really sealed me really enjoying it um uh, i did enjoy the first two episodes but it was kind of that slow burn that slow build and then the third episode really got me excited about what's to come next so yeah um, like i say you can't fault diego luna as, as cassian it's fun to see stalin skarsgård who looks so like he belongs in star wars finally in i know it's it's like it's price to think that like you know you just feel like he maybe was always there um and then his his uh just great pronunciation of cassian ander 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 the, the swedish comes out there <laughs> yes it comes out very much yes that's not um, how you pronounce it. it's an andor andor ander um so yes i'm liking him in this show and i think he's going to be kind of the guy that that really gets him on this track to being this uh this revolutionary type yes so the 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 famous rebel yes or the very significant rebel that may not go down in history because you know how star wars works these guys are never mentioned in the original trilogy are they just oh they've stole the death star plans who were they who were they? At least we now know who they mm-hmm. were, you know. Show not them that, some not that not that <laughs> Luke Skywalker and Leia ever cared. <laughs> yeah, right. Cassie and Andor was. They yeah. should have. They should have done. So. <laughs> well, let's not forget. Let's I mean, I suppose we were talking about, you know, Star Wars TV as well. Let's not forget how good Kenobi was. Yes, I really like Really Obi-Wan good as well. show. Mm-hmm. Really yes. good show. Um, and just a shout out, shout out to my man. Tony Gilroy for creating this show and writing this show uh, because Tony Gilroy holds a special place in my heart because he also wrote my all-time favorite movie. That's right. The Cutting Edge from 1992. Yes. You know, I'm going to bring that up every day. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll give a shout out to Aunt Petunia Fiona Shaw then. Yes. Who yes, it was good to see may her. look she's aged since Harry Potter, sure. She yeah. has, obviously. Kind of shows. But I mean, but... I wonder if they did actually maybe age her up a little well, bit as they well. Probably because, did, because yes. I mean they did have that flashback where they had to have her look younger and then true. So so they could have potentially aged her up. So. I, I would like to think I would like to think they had, but I I know she she's not young. No, Harry she's Potter, not a young woman. Despite like how it feels, Harry Potter was quite a long time ago. Yeah, Harry Potter's over 20 years old yes it's celebrating an anniversary when i was at the movies the other day like they're actually doing re-screenings of the original films so uh okay yes. I like that. but yeah look i i've liked seeing her in this she's playing this really very very strong-willed motherly um, figure to yeah to cassian. yeah protector of cassian yes um and, and also just a pillar of the community that like when these kind of um police kind of type guys are harassing her and searching for Cassian at her at their home yeah kind of everyone in the community is coming forward like what are you doing leave her alone she's just an old woman like trying to defend her and protect her and even though we've kind of seen Cassian use people and be you know 
and not really respect people's wishes and, and kind of being, you know, doing his own thing uh, to the chagrin of people around him. He's part of her family. So people still yeah. end up protecting him in the end in that third episode and, and looking yeah. out for him. And we see he did get his last name and or from her. So yes so yes um she's she's great as his original name casa his yes. original name is just casa he, he he doesn't speak what you would consider uh is it called the common the common tongue no that's that's a song of ice and fire that's what they refer to english so, yeah i don't know like, he's from what canari is is where he he's said to be from so i don't know if that's like a, but i think it's very much a made-up language that they didn't really share with anybody else so like they asked fiona shaw if she knew or if they were like kind of trying to let her know give her an outline of like what he was saying with that language and she was like no they didn't tell me anything so it was very much only that's why they didn't put subtitles on it they very yeah. much wanted it to be their language their conversation and just their actions and kind of what's happening around them tell the story of what they're actually saying yeah no i i, I get that all i'm trying to figure out is what star wars refers to english as oh yeah call it your be common tongue or because a song of ice and fire it's the common tongue i think in in tolkien it's common speech yeah but i can't remember what star wars calls it basic it calls it basic star uh, wars refers to english as basic, basic. do you speak okay. basic uh, okay that's what it refers to it as yeah, i remembered things in this game so I remembered <laughs> um, uh, yes and all good good start yes, excited so to see more definitely definitely um and just our final review before we get into our stephen king celebration in our let's talk uh a little big release here. of the week yes don't worry darling um oh, surrounded wow. by so much drama but definitely did not take away from my anticipation of wanting to see this film i really loved book smart and uh olivia wilde definitely has a certain style and uh kind of way of speaking uh, um, a, a great perspective through her film so despite what you may think of her on a personal level uh, as a filmmaker she has some interesting things she wants to put across and say and show and and uh so absolutely i, I, I appreciate that as a, right. as an artist in my own right in my own sphere and medium um i appreciate um kind of the artistic view of other people uh who despite what dabble in the arts yes, <laughs> so. despite what may supposedly come out about olivia wilde's uh directing yes, techniques <laughs> yes so um or should we say uh, man management techniques yeah <laughs> don't appear to exist very well um, yes or, or heavily rely on favoritism whatever maybe may perhaps who's to so, say um, who's to say what actually happened what i can say is that i think don't worry darling will be remembered for its off-screen supposed drama and issues in years to come i mean i mean in years to come i think it will be remembered for that people will then look back on it watch it and realize it's actually a pretty damn good movie as well Yes, I really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, just like your sign says behind you, like Florence Pugh, yes. Florence Pugh is, heart. The, is the beating heart of this movie. She carries this whole movie on her back and, and drives the plot. And, uh, you know, we're really kind of with her through the whole thing. 
Um, I don't necessarily want to give a spoiler review here either, because I think it it benefits from blind viewing. I I viewed it very blind. I, bet, I, I remember watching a trailer a while ago. I think we talked about it on this show. Um, I couldn't remember a great deal about that trailer. I remembered it had a little bit of a sinister edge to it. Hadn't got a clue of the story of it and really found myself getting completely into this movie. I think it's a it's quite a bold movie. I think it's 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 not a perfect movie in terms of say pacing or, or, or structure or things like and that. Even There's a times yeah, even execution and the reveal of the finale, I think, could have been handled a little bit better and a little bit cleaner. But um, as a, as an idea, and as a as a as a concept, and as a story, I think it's really really interesting. I think it's yeah. great and and like I said, bold to to present this in this way. I yeah. think it is directed by Olivia Wilde quite well. I think it looks beautiful yeah using this really gorgeous 50s aesthetic to tell this story and you know these kind of uh pastel sherbet colored homes and all the different kind of colored cars all driving off at the same yeah. time and uh, this very kind of uh i'm trying to like i almost used a, a a film comparison that might give too much away so i had to stop myself um well i think the, the movie's full of it's what i really noticed about it is that it's full of controlled structure yes in its image in its image imagery yes it's full of very defined um designs and things like that like you get snippets of quite busby berkeley kaleidoscopic dancing and things like this that it looks like it's from Gold Diggers yeah, in 1933, get, and I loved it. Yeah, you get um, some very kind of strange yet artistic imagery that kind of just pops in as if it's like a kind of deja vu thought that somebody's having in the back of their mind only to snap back into this kind of perfect place. So it's like there's very yeah, much push and pull of, of just weird imagery and then this kind of bubblegum pop imagery. Um and yeah, there's definitely moments of, of feeling very claustrophobic and uh, feeling very trapped, but also open. It's like the, the, the juxtaposition and this kind of oxymoron. <laughs> this movie is a walking oxymoron, potentially, of, of themes and concepts and feelings. and Similar to Nope in that way. Yeah. Nope, nope very much had the, the fear of open spaces and being trapped by open spaces. And this is kind of similar because it is big and you know everything in 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 the world of don't worry darling is is quite big it's spacious there's yeah a lot of room to move yet there is a sense of being trapped there is a sense of that claustrophobia that, that you spoke about um and like you know like, like i said there it's full of imagery whether it's in these little symbolic snippets or whether it's in the actual um production design of very strictly designed controlled things yes. um and there's certain characters that Gemma chan's character talks about symmetry being perfect and 
every everyone working as one and things like this and it's all very we are one there's control and it's I, I I really liked that and I I noticed it an awful lot. I think it was very clever to keep peppering that in there and not beating me over the head with it, but just using those Busby Berkeley style dancing little snippet yeah. sequences to pull out this controlled nature of this movie. I really found I really found interesting. But like you said, it lives and dies with Florence Pugh. Yeah, she's amazing in this movie. But I, one thing I will kind of criticize a little bit as well is like there are some really great scenes where they seem to set up this um, kind of um, this tug of war in terms of power and balance and uh, challenge between Chris Pine and Florence Pugh. And that yeah. doesn't deliver as much as the buildup makes you think it will. So moments like yeah. that were a little bit disappointing because there's kind of this whole scene where she's very much challenging him and to the point where she kind of forces herself to sit across from him so that she can kind of have this challenge. Stare him out. Yes, only for it to kind of fizzle out. So, um, and there was kind of a build-up conversation before that that really was like, oh, okay, it's, it's on now. And then it doesn't really, you know, go the way you you expect it to or it kind of like i said fizzles out this kind of big challenge thing that is set up so and i liked their energy together and they're kind yeah. of back and forth and they're kind of questioning each other dynamic and i wanted more of it so the chris fact pine that, like, is kind of, kind of good at, at uh, seemingly seemingly pleasant but perhaps with a sinister edge yeah, he has this very much sinister charm to how he could definitely pull you in and intrigue you and excite you and attract you. But yeah. there's this underlying mistrust there that you know you just you just let yourself fight against and not admit to yourself that is there. Does that um, that idea of, of the say the challenging that Florence Pugh does to Chris Pine fizzling out? Is the, is is that not in a way, again, just furthering the kind of idea of this movie though, like that the her challenges don't matter. Yeah, and this kind of control just... aspect. I mean, yeah, it's definitely giving me. It gave me vibes of so many different movies. Uh, um, it's weirdly you know. sci-fi. It's, yes, it's... it's giving me like Stepford Wives meets Truman Show meets Pleasantville a little bit too. Just like you know, trying to figure out this yeah, world that you're meet. in, and something just doesn't seem right. And if you've this... seen it, you'll understand what I mean by this as well. And I, I really don't want to give particular spoilers away, but think about it in a sense of uh, uh, even a matrix yes it's like you're in this world and everyone's telling you it's fine but you don't feel like it's fine but there there are so many things being put in your face that are trying to force you to to like no you have all of these great things at your at your disposal why why aren't you happy here you know why aren't you enjoying what you're getting like it's great like don't question it you know and this whole it's, kind ve- of it's, it's, of- it's a very interesting movie, a yes. very, very interesting movie. And I did not think I would actually come away liking it and, and having it having me having myself think about it as much as I am doing and as much as I kind of want to. 
Um, I mean, look from from the outset, from the outside as well. I adore Florence Pugh. I love Florence Pugh. I think Florence Pugh is the closest thing we have these days to an actual movie star, a young new movie star. Because she's I think so people, young. I think people will go. I think she's my age. She's like twenty four. Yeah. Uh, if if well, if not she's a like year younger 25. than I. Yeah. yeah. But people will go and watch a, a Florence Pugh movie. No matter, I think people will go and watch a movie simply because Florence Pugh is the star of that movie. I I, yeah. I believe that to be the case. I think she's just wonderful, and I think she has become that because she doesn't do that much stuff. No, she picks and, and very she specific picks quality things she things. wants to do. Yes, she picks very much quality things that that she can, you know, stretch herself and show her range and things that she can play to really well. Like, I can't think of one bad performance from her. Even if it's a movie that I wasn't like no. a huge fan of, she was always a standout. She she never dropped the ball. She wasn't ever the one dropping the ball in a movie. Um, in, an, in an ensemble, she's able to shine and stand out above others. Um, think of things like uh, Black Widow and Little Women. Um, yeah she's amazing so she, so regardless of anything happening outside of this movie i was going to see this movie because of her and she did not disappoint she definitely had to carry this whole film and she did in spades so um, really great performance and i mean people were kind of teasing harry styles he was not terrible in this movie either. i i'll be honest with you i i thought harry styles was quite good and we should be, we should talk about harry styles i thought harry styles was quite good in this yes. movie i think he has definitely got a competent acting career ahead of him yes a hundred percent yes okay they might have chose to him to have uh, his normal english accent in this movie because he couldn't do all, the american but there's other people who speak with an english accent yeah, Gemma Chan's Gemma speaking, with her, speaking with her, her usual accent, accent. So, so yeah but florence um, but florence isn't florence no, never speaks in her actual voice she doesn't need to she can she can handle not using the british accent um but yes definitely people kind of teasing his accent because i think they thought maybe he wasn't supposed to have his british accent and that's kind of the clips that were making fun of him yeah were pointing out but, but no, no i think he did a good job in this movie and uh he did. yeah he, re and he I, really did and he, i think Styles... you know near the kind of climax of the film he does have more to do and 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 um he gets to he, show he himself more yes as an and he handles himself really well i think i think in, I, in I, the latter I, part of the film where he has I to kind of show that so I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Harry Styles. And I don't know that I could picture. That... I don't know that I could picture Shia in the role now. That like, you oh know, no, yeah, I forgot about... it was. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think I could picture that. I think, I think it's certainly the the kind of first act of the movie is way too sexy for Shia. Yes, and he had, and like near the end, he has to be a bit more vulnerable. And Shia is very much kind of tough and 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 kind of a a loner type that I don't feel like he yeah. could he could play this needing somebody, this vulnerability, you know. Good decision to change it then, I suppose. Yes. Even Whoever's though it might, have it, what I, it might have caused whatever, but... <laughs> yeah. He quit, it, it, or no, he was fired, but no, he quit. Who knows? And, yeah. So no matter how his departure came about, his departure, I think, was fine for what the film ended up being, because I think Harry Styles did a really good job. He in did. Portraying the very much the sexiness that he needed in the beginning, and the vulnerability that he needed by the end so 
he is someone that I've come to respect far more in recent years than I than I used to when he was part of that one boy band, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um I definite I definitely respect Harry Styles and I like that I like that he, he's been able to show himself as as a reasonably competent actor as well. And look, the both every fool's in the MCU in this movie as well, aren't they? I mean Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Florence Pugh, Harry Styles is now, and, and Gemma Chan is. And um Nick Kroll is is Nick Kroll does Nick Kroll voice somebody? I, I feel like, like I Nick feel like Kroll wants to voice somebody in the MCU. In the, yes. And if he doesn't, why? Why, why doesn't he? And then I think the husband of the pregnant lady, wasn't he in WandaVision? <laughs> wasn't he one of Possibly. the Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> <In> WandaVision. <laughs> um but no, no, it's a it's a good movie. I actually pleasantly, pleasantly surprised at yes. how good it was. It it is better than the drama surrounding it. And and yes. I think deserves to be remembered more for actually being a boldly told story than a dramatic off screen debacle. Yeah, debacle. I would I would say. But yes, yes. Don't worry, darling. We won't worry. We won't worry, darling. <laughs> Who's darling? Which one of them's darling? They never say don't worry, darling, to either of them in this movie. Well, I, would I was think quite it's, it's, disappointed. It's probably directed to Florence Pugh telling her, don't worry. I would think so, yes. But he never says um, it, does he? Yes. But great, great movie. Um, despite the drama, like, please don't let that overshadow no. going to see this movie. Definitely not. Well, well, Janine, let's yes. move into a little bit of a let's talk. Yes. As we, uh, like I said, celebrate the 75th birthday of Stephen King. We have a few of our favourite Stephen King adaptations. We want to just tell you why they are that. Why they are some of our favourites. Why they are great, great movies. We each have three each, I think, Janine, that we want yeah. to bring up today. Um, Stephen King. What does Stephen King mean to you, Janine? I mean, obviously, he's a huge icon in terms of horror, but he also tells really kind of human stories. And um, I think he talks about things that are really kind of real and relatable. And then he adds kind of a supernatural element over the top of it. So um, while the supernatural aspect of a lot of his stories are things that like can't really happen or don't really happen um, because it's the base of it is a real human relatable story and you really care about the characters that he, he portrays. Yeah. Um, and then you get a director with a clear vision who can kind of uh, bring that to life and you're set with a, a really solid adaptation. So absolutely. I, absolutely, my favorite Stephen King adaptations are films that really are based in that reality and really create some really interesting characters that uh, you end up kind of caring about. So there yeah. were a lot, but uh... there's an awful. I mean, there's an awful <laughs> lot. Yes, admittedly, as well. As much as I would like to celebrate Stephen King's seventy fifth birthday and feel like we should because of, of the you know quality of his 
work and the quality of adaptations of his work. I've never read a single book of Stephen King. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Which is wrong, <laughs> and I should do. I should at There's least so many, read. Every every book has a movie adaptation, whether it be a TV they movie. Do. <laughs> or... They do. But I really should at least read, I think, Carrie and The Shining. I think yeah. those are the, the two above the rest for me well, that I should of, read. Yes. Well, one of them, um, Shawshank Redemption, actually apparently has a different ending than the book, which kind of just changes the whole kind of viewpoint of it. Um, yeah, it's only a short, that though, isn't it, as well? It's only yeah, a short well, story yes. or a novella. Which I'll get into, you know, that kind of twist on the ending. I don't know how true that is, but I think I saw something recently that talked about the real ending in the actual book. But, okay. Um, well, yes, would you, I mean, would you like to start with uh, with one of your choices then? Or... Yes. So one of my choices is The Shawshank Redemption. I remember yes. watching this movie when I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. Um. Uh, with my mom my mom was go travel nursing or she was going to school to become a nurse and she was going to school in san diego so she would drive back and forth you know take some of her classes be there for the week and then come home on the weekends and it was this crazy time where she was just trying to you know so she would take me with her some weekends and i would stay with her and one night we just stayed up and watched and that was kind of a thing my mom always did with us when we were little was just sit down and watch movies with us and i remember watching Shawshank Redemption with her and just really you know at 12 or 13 like you know that's not the things like a 12 or 13 year old are watching but I, I remember no. being so into it and so invested in the stories and the character and and like the little kind of stories that were happening through his years in the prison and and loving just Morgan Freeman's soothing voice just narrating the story just being very calming in such a chaotic kind of situation that was happening and and you know and then just kind of the redemptive rain moment with his hands spread out and and just the release of that and you know I just felt every beat that the, the movie wanted you to feel I thought it looked beautiful and yeah, I felt so many emotions watching this movie at 12 or 13 that I just, it surprised me. And yeah. anytime that movie's on in passing, like I'll be cleaning and it's just on and I'll just stop what I'm doing and just sit and watch it because, you know, it's it, great. It, it might be, uh, it might be stereotypical to, to say, I suppose, but uh, you can't deny it is a flawlessly put together movie. Yes. And it's just funny that there's like, there's so many movies you can say are before their time and then kind of get discovered and get this cult status later. Something like a Scott Pilgrim versus the world or a last action hero movies that like are dealing with these really kind of higher concepts or, you know, interesting things that people just didn't really care about at the time, but now are seeing it as this cool kind of thing that was before it's time. Shawshank kind of had a similar thing. Like people did not go out and see this movie. Like it did not perform well. Um, it got passed over in terms of Oscar stuff. Um, yeah. And then later now people discovered it and, and now it's like on every kind of top something movie list Yeah, uh, and being lauded as this great thing. And just the thing I kind of alluded to that I had heard fairly recently was that the ending 
you find out that Andy really did kill his wife and her lover. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets away. And, and so it kind of just changes your whole kind of view. Like you still kind of like, cause obviously, you know, in some aspects you feel like, okay, maybe they had it coming. Maybe they deserved it, whatever. But the movie plays that he's a completely innocent man who got put in this terrible situation and wasn't believed but then when you find out no he really did do it and just got away with it you know he or not got away with it he you know was able to become free um it totally kind of shifts your thought of uh how you see him a little bit so uh it was definitely kind of a weird thing seeing and like then i kind of thought to myself would i have wanted that to be portrayed in the movie um i just i think the movie is such a ridiculously warm story of friendship mm-hmm. um that the the ending is i mean it's been parodied to death but when something gets parodied to death it's because it's great it's because it is the perfect example of doing whatever you are parodying and yeah. it, it it is kind of the perfect example of everything it does you can't you can't fault that movie Um, and can we talk about okay just in the terms of what is happening right now with the little mermaid right yes (laughs) Just, just, just to throw that out there um it never occurs to anybody that hallie bailey was just the right person for the role black white whatever she was the right person right age young girl playing a 16 year old uh you know um wide-eyed um beautiful voice can act we can make her hair red whether it's dreadlocks or whatever yeah yes nobody ever considers that maybe had nothing to do with her skin tone it was just that she was right for the characterization of what ariel embodies right yeah go back to this film Red is like a described as a redheaded Irishman guy in the book, I believe, right? Yeah. And he's played by Morgan Freeman. And the fact that they even still keep that line in there and it becomes this joke thing. Why, why do they you call, call you red? red? Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm Irish. And it's just so comedic and funny. And nobody bats an eyelash. Nobody cares. Nobody is saying, well, in the book, he was. Uh, white man he was an Irishman all of this thing da, 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 da. nobody bats an eyelash to that race swap of a character because Morgan Freeman just nails embodied it. the character and nails it and does a good job and he yeah. was just the best person for that role <laughs> nobody said a thing <laughs> and it was easy I, for I people don't, to consider. I don't know what to say. It's easy for people to just consider that he was the best man for the role, and and without even batting. You know why? You know why? Don't you though? <laughs> you know why? Probably did exist back then. And this it's was in the nineties, so I'm exist. just like. It's just so, Twitter yes. didn't exist. That's why. Yeah, that's that why you don't hear. Uh, who knows how many angry letters Stephen King got? Probably what? <laughs> probably was. Probably was. But you know. No one, but even in kind of these, you know, everyone is having this argument about Ariel and throwing all these examples. This example never comes up as, you know, yeah. an argument because, towards any of that. I mean, probably because most people don't know, but, you know, you are right. 
You are right. Yes. Oh, you are absolutely right. He uh, is so great as this character, the narration, like I said, just so calming because this is such a chaotic world that you're in. Yeah. And his calming presence, his friendship with Andy is so great. Even him just talking about, I just want to see my friend again. Like that just like always gets me every time. And, and, um, whenever people do a Morgan Freeman impression, they're always doing lines. Yes. Yes. Like even when he was on Graham Norton, he did a version of this. They played the music and he like gave this speech, but like in relating it to like the guests that he was on the couch with and Graham Norton. And it was hilarious. Ridiculous. This kind of sealed his fate as the narration guy and that it voice. Um, it did. So, so yes, despite of what he looked like in the in the book, like he or in the story, he Morgan Freeman. I can't picture anyone else playing that role. He he embodied that character wholeheartedly. His chemistry with um, uh, Tim Robbins was great, um, and, and yeah, just iconic movie. Great storytelling. Um, you really care about this character. The warden just makes such an epic villain, and, and you really are ingratiated in this world. And 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 you forget that these people are like criminals. Like you actually yeah. just come to care about them for who they are in this world and what they try to do, and, and the relationships he builds and the things he does in the, his time in the prison. He's still trying to better other people's lives, better the prison, build this library. Like, yeah. I mean, and then all for it to build to a, a good ending for him as well. It's just yes, yes. yes. It's something yeah. I obviously care about more than most people when it comes to that movie as well is that I, I I believe the the poster in the book is actually the poster of Rita Hayworth from Gilda, and because I think it's called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, the actual story. Oh. Oh, yes. Um, so rather than it being Raquel Welsh in, you know, the yeah. the, the the mammoth <laughs> bikini what say or whatever you, it is. Fuzzy britches. <laughs> yeah. I actually think it's the poster of of, of, yeah. of uh, Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth. Yeah. Just just a old movie, the Shawshank Redemption up for my benefit. Yes. Um but no, it's a it's a it's a wonderful movie. Of course, it's a wonderful movie. Um, I mean, one of one of mine that I wanted to bring up is is actually a, again another non horror Stephen King movie because Stand by Me yes. is one of my favorite Stephen King movies. I think it is a fantastic story of you know friend uh, friendship uh, of the kind of struggles of young masculinity as well yeah i remember studying this movie in in film class in college and really delving into we actually studied it alongside juno oh as a uh a, 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 like a commentary of type thing yes as a commentary on coming of age and the american dream male and female Oh, okay. And this is, yeah, uh, because there's so much in Stand By Me that's kind of full of what, you know, the four guys think they should be as, you know, men that are growing older. They get get bullied by, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and his band of maniacs. Um, 
they are very insecure in themselves. You get the little bit of narration in Stand By Me as well. I mean, who wins this the narration wars? Richard Dreyfus or Morgan Freeman? I mean, Morgan Freeman does, doesn't he? I know. He, but he does. <laughs> you get it. You get it in in Stand By Me. It is a beautiful story and a terribly sad story. Yes. Um, of just the the kind of falling apart of childhood friendship and the way that. I think Will, Will Wheaton in particular is really looked down upon by his own family, especially his yes. dad. His dad's just horrendous to him. And so, like, and then in losing the, his brother, the one person who actually understood him and yeah. took the time to get to know him is is even more difficult. And then going to see this dead body just just kind of facing kind of that death in his life as well on another level. Yeah. Um, and just... It, it, it's kind of the... The struggles of harsh reality are very in the forefront of Stand By Me, and, and yes. they have to deal with them. Even on their journey itself, you know, they nearly die from the train. They nearly get caught by the, the farmer and his dogs. Or is, yeah. he, is he a farmer? Is he like a junkyard? You junkyard know what I mean? something, that, yeah, yeah. That, I don't know why I'm thinking farmer. I, I've been reading Lord of the Rings. <laughs> they get caught by Farmer Maggot. <laughs> Eating all the crop. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. But they they have to deal with particularly kind of aggressive situations constantly. And um, this aggressive push into growing up. The, a know, very aggressive push. And having quick, to kind of you know, be ready for that. You've got to grow yeah. up now. You've mm -hmm. got to quickly grow up, deal with all these harsh realities of life. We're not ready for that yet. Yeah, We need to still be together the time yeah we need to still be just us as this children urgency, as friends this, yeah this urgency that you feel like this is going to all be over and so we have to you know we have to enjoy it now we have to celebrate it now we have to yeah. remember we have to do something to help us remember what this feels like because it feels like it's going to be over in a second you know yeah, because you don't know what's going to come and that's what makes it quite terribly sad with yeah. the narration at the bit at the beginning at, and you know particularly at the at the end when um you know it's just is it, is it river phoenix's character that actually dies in the, in the movie you know that's said to have died somebody died. i think so yeah i think so um, i haven't seen it in a while but it's it, it just makes it sad because it's just it's almost it's full of regret that yeah. narration is full of regret and it makes you pine for simple childhood friendships, but realize that realize how bad it is that people forced it out of you. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the world, world, the world, world beats forced out this, it out of you. Yeah, and this world beats this idealistic view that you have about. This the is world what you have to you. do. Yes, to be a grown it's up. Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily what you have to do. Stand by me, and we'll get through it together. You not, yeah. you don't have to be on your own. You don't have to be the lone wolf individual. In your you situation, you can be. Yeah. You can ask together. For yeah, yeah. And that's what Stand by Me is all about. That's why I think it's 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 a brilliant movie to illustrate yeah. that. A brilliant and story. Just a brilliant kind of 
talk on uh, Stephen King that the the first two movies we choose are like his non horror stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just to kind of right. speak to the eclectic nature of of his work. Um, well, I suppose let's talk a bit about horror. Yes. So you did mention it a little bit earlier. Um, my next film is Carrie. I mean, um, if you hadn't chosen Carrie, Carrie will be at the top of my list. I love Carrie. It's so great. Yes. Creepy Carrie, creepy Carrie. <laughs> 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 the sound the sound <laughs> effects in Carrie are so good. That was actually Betty Buckley who did the voice of the little boy. And the little boy, I believe, is um Brian De Palma's nephew. <laughs> but, I mean Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma himself is such a weird director who directed such weird movies. Weird. Yeah, such a weird mix of things. And so to do this movie, um, yeah, and it's always interesting to see, you know, a female character through the eyes of, of a male writer and, um, you know, and what what you can take out of that and how he chooses to portray her and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I recently watched Carrie because I just hadn't seen it in a while. Um, and yeah, I think it's definitely plays up great to the horror. It's just to the horror aspects. And it's just such a heartbreaking story. like. It's a through line with Stephen King is that a, lot, a hell of a lot of stuff will sadden you. It will break your heart. Yeah, it is about it's just this, humans it's just this, that struggle. Yes, it's just this terrible misunderstanding. And, and the people who do try to like reach out to Carrie and make her feel welcome. And it seems like it's going so well. And then when you're watching it and you're seeing things go so well for her, knowing what it's leading to, it's yeah. just... It just kills you every time. Like you see, you know, the boy kisses her and he actually is genuinely having a great time with her and he genuinely likes her and he did this thing because he actually does like her. And the teacher really excited for her to get this moment and her kind of standing up to her mom and 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 growing into being a woman and not being scared about that by her mom and kind of proving her mom wrong that no, I can be a teenage girl and do these things and nothing bad is going to happen. And you feel all of that for a brief moment until she gets on that stage. And then you remember what movie you're watching and it's yeah. like, Oh no. <laughs> and the build up to that bucket pole. I forgot yeah. how long that was. They were on that stage for a long ass time before that bucket gets pulled. So you're just like, <sighs> you're wallowing in the happiness <laughs> yes. before the Yes. And you know comes. it's coming no matter how many times you've seen this movie and you know that's coming you still hope that something happens that it doesn't go that way like you still yeah. always hope that this bucket does not fall on her because this girl deserves this moment and the people who do care about her genuinely care about her and the fact that like she is so filled with rage by that point that she's been scorned and burned and take and treated like shit for so long that even like the nice teacher that really cared about her she doesn't her demise. care at this point yeah, she doesn't care that she she, you know, she is a a, a being and, yeah of pure trauma rage at yes. this point. Yes. Um but yeah, that I mean the prom scene in Carrie is so, so iconic. How it shot, how it looks. The split screen. Yes. Nobody does doing split screen comes across as ridiculously weird looking apart from in Carrie when it yes, just it looks works. it works so perfectly yeah in that prom scene and just the coloring of right. the lights and the way that she turns the lights red and so it's just kind of everything looks she's drenched in blood but everything feels just drenched in blood 
symbolizing the um, impending death that everyone is facing just because like the way she just looks at the lights and you see them all switch to red and the red glow on her face and um yeah just so intense and just and also just kind of empowering in that moment as well um yes it's awful but also just kind of her kind of taking her power back in a way in that moment this is that's the thing with that final blast of carry is that you've been watching traumatic experience bullying just pushed around for the rest of the movie shred of happiness a scene of seeming real happiness but you know what's going on because you've been watching the subplot that's going on yeah the bucket gets pulled and then it's just a release at that point it's it's a release horrifying to, yeah. it's, i mean it's horrifying to watch but it is actually the most positive thing that carrie could have yeah done because she's finally it's incredibly cathartic she's yeah. getting back on all these horrendous people that wronged her the sad thing is she also ends up killing the people that were actually nice to her because she, at this point, like I said, is just a being of pure trauma rage. Yes, and also just kind of dumb that that guy died but with a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Uh, very but not everybody um, that burns to death and gets no, thrown into but the wall and things. Piper Laurie, kind of this 15-year... she The last time we had seen her on screen, she... I think had won an Oscar or was nominated for an Oscar. She took a she 15... won for the Hustler in '61. Yes. She took a 15 year break, came back for this movie, and then got nominated. So to come back and do this performance, and then I'm watching in the scene where she's kind of describing how sinful the moment like Carrie was conceived yeah. was, and 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 the way she's conveying that, like just so intense. Um, Stephen King great performance doesn't. From her. Uh doesn't like religion <laughs> you never you know no he doesn't it's always to this notice extreme yes um so yeah great performance from piper Laurie as well loved betty buckley here as this teacher although i don't know how much she could get away with just slapping students kind of funny 70s it's the 70s yeah she literally like beat the crap out of that girl <laughs> Sometimes who I is who actually is. I don't know if she still is married to Brian De Palma, um, the mean girl in this movie. Okay, uh, who is from RoboCop? Um, she. I mean, yeah. I didn't go to school in in the seventies, obviously, but yes, sometimes but she like she slapped her so hard, uh, and she did it for real, apparently, like a bunch of times. You know, yeah. you can watch you can watch movies from the seventies that if they've got school or classroom settings, and sometimes the teacher will throw like chalkboard rubbers or chalkboard you know erasers at you whack them at you the foot they're like wooden big wooden blocks and they oh just whack at people oh my gosh it's kind of hilarious but it's obviously not hilarious to realize that <laughs> this is what actually <laughs> yeah. happened so yeah betty buckley and like it, it took it was years before i realized that she was dr fletcher in the split movies i'm like oh that's her oh my gosh so yeah another great kind of actress in her own right betty buckley so really loved her as kind of the support and even uh when that scene where she's talking to carrie and, and telling carrie well maybe you know he's asking you because he likes you maybe you should kind of go for it but then even behind the scenes she's still looking out for her and like pulling them aside and like what are your motives why did he ask her to the prom? Yeah. what's going on don't mess with this girl like 
and punishing the whole class for how they treated her and just the, the way she was just looking out for her was just so sweet and and, and yeah I really well let's not forget in this movie as well let's not forget as well that carrie has perhaps the best jump scare in any horror movie yes which is, which is the hand coming out of the ground at the end which is also what 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 i think friday the 13th was trying to do as well um, yes it but that look carrie yes okay friday the 13th it's a pretty damn good jump scare i don't think it's as good as the one in carrie i think the one in carrie's no, time way but better that's like, but friday the 13th has clearly admitted that they just wanted to copy friday the th um, nightmare on elm street and then they or or um uh halloween and yeah. then ended it basically the way carrie yeah. did that's they've they've clearly admitted that and so that jump scare <laughs> at the end of carrie is so perfectly timed yeah you can just put that it will get if somebody hasn't watched it before it will get them every single damn time because yes. I, I read that that was also shown in that same film class that we watched and studied stand by me in and i had seen carrie at that point so i was like eh, look at no, these wait. people and they, they haven't people. seen carrie <laughs> and it literally just ah! <laughs> But Every also, I think they time. they were they were much more clever about it than Friday the Thirteenth in the fact that they didn't cut away to show that there was a dream. Like you just kind of have to. No, like, no, it's, was this no. a dream? What? Uh, I don't yeah. know. It ends. Yeah. It ends yeah. right there. Yeah, uh, it's a great movie. It is a yes, great, movie. great horror elements, great kind of female kind of catharsis. Um, Definitely and, need to and, find yeah, a lead. No Karen. matter how many times you see it, you still just hope that that bucket doesn't fall for her. Like it's heartbreaking. Oh, it does. But and it John does. Travolta's there. And John Travolta <laughs> is there. Terribly yeah. young John Travolta. Mm, yes. Frighteningly young. Yes. I mean, another one I wanted to bring up, not that this would be a celebration of Stephen King at all, would be The Shining. And this is Kubrick's The Shining, yes. just because I think it is phenomenal as much as famously stephen king was unhappy with it as much as famously stephen king made a tv movie in 1997 to make his actual version of the shining yeah. you cannot get away from the fact that this is i think how you actually should adapt somebody else's work if you because if you're going to adapt it adapt it don't just copy it do your own thing with it. You got to give credit to Kubrick for doing his own damn thing with it. Yes, and creating something very iconic. And I think Stephen King can look at it and say, as a film, great. Yeah. As my story, not so great. And I think yeah, and I think that's fair. Felt about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's fair. But it is a it is a brilliant film. And look, Kubrick's a unlikable kind of guy, anyway, isn't he? But he's a he was an outstanding filmmaker. Yeah, he was not pleasant to people. No, <laughs> he was not pleasant to people. No. But he was an outstanding filmmaker. And but everything, again, everything that's put together. I won't waffle on about the Shining, but everything that's put together in the Shining is just pure unsettling. Pure. Yes, it's tension. such a great build of, of tension and fear and confusion and and terrible yeah, it, confusion. It, it builds. It builds so well um it's it's, tri it's chilling and and very intense 
iconic visuals, um, things that you just kind of see when you close your eyes and you just know, um, you know, like even that whole scene in Ready Player One was such a fun kind of uh, reimagining of all these iconic things that we know so well. Um, You know, it it was kind of fun to go back there because, and those were visuals that Kubrick created based off of kind of this work. So they were. The story, look, the story itself is is pretty haunting. It's it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's ghosts. It's p- possible reincarnation. It's possible telekinesis. You know, in in the actual shining, can you read people's minds? Can you see things that have happened? Who can see things that have happened? Who's is Jack a reincarnation? Is Jack? just going insane is the hotel alive what's going on it is absolute confusion but at the end of it it is a guy going absolutely insane in this one place with the most perfect example of stockholm syndrome lock yourself away and go completely mental yeah um but there's other things up the wazoo but there's yeah. so many other things that play in The Shining. It's yeah. not simply some guy's on his own and he goes insane because there's all these crazy supernatural things that are never it's quite well. fully explained. No. To, no. But they, they're just presented to you and you kind of got to figure them out. Certainly in the movie, you've kind of just got to figure them out of what's going on and you're just weirded out by a lot of the stuff. Yeah. But it's it gets under you. It won't let you forget it once you've seen it. And people in that movie are brilliant themselves. You know, we should we should adore Shelley Duvall for what she managed to do, being abused by Kubrick verbally yes. all the damn time. Yeah, she was so good in this movie. Um, Nicholson, but... Jack Nicholson's obviously pretty flawless as yeah. uh, as he always is playing completely unhinged people um but scatman Carruthers. scatman scatman Carruthers is as, as, as you know the wise the wise <laughs> the one. magical negro as the kind of he, well he is isn't he that's exactly that as, what as he is. noir describes these type of characters <laughs> that is what he is he is that yeah. archetype yes um which but also a very big irritation of Stephen King that they killed him, but he actually lived in the book. So. He did, yeah. Well, yeah. yes, I did. I did see that. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think anything else can be said about The Shining. I just think The Shining is a great movie, not necessarily one to celebrate Stephen King himself <laughs> with. Yes, but a wonderful, wonderful movie. Well, <laughs> my final pick will do that and will answer all of those questions and fill all those gaps that Stephen King was missing because I am talking about Dr. Sleep. Uh, Mike Flanagan beautifully recreating so many elements of that film, connecting it so well and tying off the loose ends of things that, that Stephen King was not happy with. He finds a really brilliant way to bring back Scatman Carruthers' character um by having him be a ghost that talks to Danny um grown up Danny and in the end of the original book the overlook burns down 
So he ends up kind of giving Dr. Sleep, the movie, the ending of the original book. So he finds ways to work within the world that Kubrick set up while also bringing in the missing elements that Stephen King had in his book to Stephen King's excitement, who was very kind of happy that he was able to kind of bring those elements back. Yeah. If you watch behind the scenes set things, he was able to beautifully recreate the whole Overlook Hotel, the casting of actors kind of giving the essence of those characters from The Shining. Uh, so well done. Um, and yeah, it's just telling this continuation of the story. A grown-up Danny, he is just a mess. He's an alcoholic. He's uh, lost. He He's you know, as a child, he learned how to lock up the ghosts that were haunting him after they left the Overlook. Um, but he's still suffering a lot until he meets a young girl who also has a shine and she needs his help. Um, and, uh, you know, then we have our kind of villainous band, uh, Rose the Hat and her group, yeah. who basically like suck and eat, and eat the shine from people shine. to survive. Yes. yes. Um like and dementals, so they, aren't they? Yes, essentially. They find people with a shine and it's how they kind of live this almost immortal lifestyle. And just a kind of tragic, scary scene of them, you know, tying down poor Jacob Tremblay, the cutest mm. little boy ever, and, you know, taking his life on screen. And and so, so many great horror visuals, so many artistic visuals in terms of of how Rose the Hat's powers work, how the shine works. They find some really smart ways to to visualize those things. Um, the kind of relationship that develops between Danny and the young girl, uh, Abra, I think is her name, um, and how they kind of team up to, to fight against her. Um, Danny kind of getting his life back together after, you know, what we potentially saw him go through in Kubrick's film, uh, yeah. understandably, would, would give you a, a very tough adulthood. So, yeah, you're definitely setting up characters that you really care about, a really scary story, a really uh, a story that takes a lot of your investment and, and care, and a really kind of marriage between Stephen King's book and Stanley Kubrick's film. So absolutely loved what they did with Dr. Dr. Sleep. Mike Flanagan is so intelligent. He understands horror. He understands the human element really well. And I think those are two great things to, to really pay attention to in a horror movie is really the human element so that you kind of care about your characters and, and you get invested in what happens to them and you're scared for them and building that horror and tension um, so that you're also kind of feeling scared as well yeah. so definitely a great marriage between the two things i really love dr sleep so and look it'll teach you way more about shining than the shine <laughs> yes and you get a lot of insight oh. about how it works and yeah. and how you kind of control it and 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 you know obviously now you get this whole group of people who who want to harness it for you know a lengthened life and and, and villainous purposes and um yeah Yes. Well, my last one. I- I'll only briefly mention it because I kind of want to get onto the game. I'm excited. No, you just want game. to beat me mercilessly. <laughs> I am excited about the game, but I did want to bring uh, one up actually. That that well, technically, isn't a Stephen King movie adaptation. The book, the story was written by Stephen King. The book was written by Stephen King using pseudonym. I forget what the pseudonym was now. So it is a Stephen King movie. It's a Running Man. 
1987 yes. with the the best synth soundtrack ever. <laughs> Directed so by Paul M. Glaser, director of the Cutting Edge. It's yeah. the Cutting Edge show today, isn't it? It is. Tony it is. Gilroy and Paul Michael Glazer. Yes. Who, yes, did direct uh, The Running Man as well. But okay. this, is, this is, you know, Schwarzenegger in The Running Man, one of one of my favourite, it would have to be say, one of my favourite uh, dystopian sci-fi movies. Yes, we I did. I love a... the concept of it so yes. much. We did an Arnold series on the show. We talked, like, the the best terminator the best best iterations of the terminator films and yeah. we also talked about the running man um so yeah that was your first time watching it when we did that discussion Loss. on morgan hasn't seen and yeah it was great to revisit that really solid kind of uh dystopian action well, yeah really fun till really, the end kind of movie yeah a fun movie a really interesting idea for a dystopia having it having you know this running man tv show and you know a, almost a video game structure of and get a real life people. tv host to yeah host it and make him your villain it's great you know having to beat you know the one guy and then move on to the next stage to beat the next guy and nobody survives the running yes. man but here comes arnold yes. being arnold with just like I said, the, the 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 music's great, and it's again, it's a showcase of Stephen King as a story writer being not just well aware of how to write good human stories, not just well aware of how to write good horror stories, but bringing real, intelligent sci-fi into play as well. Yes, yes. I I really like The Running Man. It has been a while since I've watched it. A long while, I would have to say, um, but I did want to mention it because you don't often think it think of it as a Stephen King movie, but it technically yeah. is. <laughs> it technically is. But yes, The Running Man. Happy birthday, Stephen King. Happy birthday. Many more of them. Many more of them to you. Yes. Many more of them to you. Um, and for God's sake, I need to read. <laughs> Stephen King. Yeah. Shocking, really, isn't it? Carrie at least. I mean, Carrie it, Pet Cemetery, also ones I really do enjoy. Um Pet so, Cemetery. Yeah. Pet Cemetery, yeah. Pet Cemetery Children yeah. of the Corn. Yes. Yes, it. Yes, it. It would have to be said, you know. Christine. Yes. Cujo. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's Cujo. <laughs> the Dead yeah. Zone. Loads, lots, loads. There's absolutely loads, but what there is also loads of Janine is Star Wars characters. It is time. Star Wars, yes. Yes, you sing, you sing the Spaceballs song. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, because that's yes. that Spaceballs song. Something like that, isn't it? What is it? Yes. Um, we are, we are doing a Star Wars game. I, I spoke about it before. A, a little while ago now, we did a quick-fire MCU cast game. <laughs> Basically, we have lists of characters. We're doing it in three rounds. It's, it's, it's quick-fire, or as quick as we feasibly can do it. 
<laughs> Which mine, yeah, mine's not gonna be quick. Mine m- might skip, not be. Too can bad. we skip and circle back? Yeah. Well, I suppose so. Yes. Okay. You can you can have passes. You can have passes. Okay. Um, but we've done it in three rounds. So round one has ten characters. Round two has eight characters. Round three has five characters in uh, increasing level of difficulty. We are naming okay. characters, and the other one of us has to name who played that character in Star Wars. I am giving Janine characters from the original trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and the Mandalorian-era TV shows. Janine is giving me characters from the prequels, Rogue One, Solo, and all the stuff before A New Hope. So, round one, Janine... I think we just have to kind of, kind of wow, go ahead, don't we? So all we're gonna do, all we're gonna, we're gonna alternate it, and we're going to just simply say the character's name. So are you, you going through your full ten, and then no, I go we're my... alternating. No? Okay. No, we're alternating. Okay. So, all right. like we did with the, like we did with the Marvel stuff. So, I will say the character, you will say the actor, and then say your first character. Okay. Okay, are you ready okay. for no. round one? No. Round one Star Wars. Some, some will be easy. Some well, I will made be mine easy. like easier and got progressively harder with each round. So I did I. Yeah, so did, did I. Marvel. Okay. Yeah, so did I. Okay. Either way, it's all going to be hard for me. Round one. Ray. Uh, Daisy Ridley. <laughs> Bail Organa. Jimmy Smiths. Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, uh, Peter. Oh, Peter. No, I mean, uh, uh, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. Why is Peter Cushing in my brain? <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> oh, pass. Pa- okay, go ahead. Uh, Galen Urso. Where Mads Mickelson, Lando um, Calrissian, uh, Billy D. Williams, um, Jango Fett, Tamara Morrison, <laughs> Chewbacca, uh, Peter Mayhew, <laughs> uh, Uncle Owen, uh, Joel Edgerton. I almost got you, I think. Kylo Ren. <laughs> uh, Adam Driver. Uh, Jar Jar Binks. Ahmed Best. <laughs> Maz Kanata. Oh, um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, young Anakin. Child, Child Anakin? Anakin. <laughs> Jake Lloyd. <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin. Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. <laughs> no, yes, it is Peter Cushing. <laughs> that is Peter Cushing. Um, uh, uh, Count Dooku. Christopher Lee. His best friend. <laughs> yes. General Hooks. General Hooks. 
Oh, uh, uh, Donald Gleason. Yes. <laughs> uh, Orson Krennic. Oh, was Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. <laughs> Finn. Uh, John Boyega. Uh, K2SO. Alan Tudyk. Yes. And Darth Vader's body. Uh, Prowse. Prowse. David Prowse. David Prowse. Okay, okay can we... I... <laughs> Yes, we answer. can go back to your past one. Okay. Uh, Saw Guerrero. Saw Guerrero was Forrest Whitaker. Yes. Is, is that the end of your round one? Yes, yes. So you you passed on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Would yes. you like to return to Obi-Wan Kenobi? I would like Kenobi to return. With... Alec Guinness, damn it. <laughs> okay, 10 out of 10 for the both of us for round one. <sighs> round two scary, no. <laughs> 10, 10, 10. Okay. okay. All right. Round two. Are you ready for round two? Eight in no. round two. <laughs> yes. Eight in round two. Yes. Dinjarin. Ooh. Oh, um. Uh, uh, Pedro Pascal. Yes. <laughs> you were trying to trick me. I was. Oh Bodie Rook. Oh, is, um, Riz Ahmed. Yes. Ahsoka Tano. Uh, uh, Rosario Dawson. Yes. Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I know the name as you well. You can circle back. You can circle back. Right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, I don't think that's. Yeah, I'll pass that. I'll pass that. I'll come back. Okay. Okay. Um, Wicket. Oh, Wicket. Uh, Warwick Davis. Yes. <laughs> uh. L3E7 or L337. <laughs> oh, that'll be um that'll be Phoebe Waller Bridge, won't it? Yes. Yes, that's that droid. Oops. Fennec Shand. Ooh. I know that. I know that. That name is Pass. Dryden Voss passing on Fennec I know. Shand. Okay. Pass. Okay, okay, go ahead. Uh, Val. Val was Tandy Newton. Yes, now calling herself by her real name, Fendi Way Newton. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Rose Tico. Oh, uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Yes. <laughs> uh, Chancellor Valorum. Chancellor Valorum was Terence Stamp. <laughs> Yes. Moff <laughs> Gideon. Oh my god. I know that name, but who is that? <laughs> Again, it's like me with Dryden Voss. Yes, like I know that name. Same with mm. the, the Fennec one. Like I know those names, but who are they? Just pass. Passing on Moff Gideon. Um, Beckett. Beckett is Woody Harrelson. Yes. Captain Phasma. 
Oh, um, Gwendolyn Christie. Yes. <laughs> uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Young Grand Moff Tarkin? <laughs> who was that dude? Who was that dude who pretended to be Peter Cushing in CG? <laughs> I don't know his name. I don't know his name. I'll pass, but I genuinely don't know that man's he name. Was, he was in Potter. I was, I was like, he'll know. He was in Potter. Oh, he was. He, I bet he was. Was he Thickness in Deathly Hallows? Is it that guy? Yes. I don't know his name. Yes. I don't know his name. <laughs> really? Okay. I, I was like, name. oh, he'll get it. It's that guy. Um, Grief Carga. Who? Grief. Like is, at least the Carter. other ones I I remembered the names. Like I think the names were familiar. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Grief Carga. <sighs> you can pass. Pass. Yeah. You're passing. Okay. Um, you passed on three of mine in that. I know. So you're you're at fifteen now. How many did I pass on? One. One? Did I yes. get the rest? You did get the rest. No, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, you're not you skipped two. Two. Yes. No. Yeah, I won't. Two. I won't get that one. I won't get that one. <clears throat> okay. Well, you have still have one more for me. So Dryden Voss, then I think is Paul Bettany. That is correct. Yes. Yes. I, I was trying to remember what Woody Harrelson was called. I know. Um, I knew it was a solo. I'm gonna say so, the Fennec, Fennec guy. Shan. Is that Timothy Oliphant? No, mm. no. I'll have to take your first answer. No, it's not. Uh, you have Moff Gideon. I know the name, but I can't picture what character that is. And Star Wars fans are cursing me in the comments. It's fine. Well, we just we like the comments, <laughs> so it's fine. We'll take your free comments. We, we, we will. We will. <sighs> Moff Gideon. No. No. And grief Carga. Is that Timothy Oliphant? <laughs> no. I just like Timothy Oliphant. Fennec Shand is Ming Na Wen. Yes, yes. Moff Gideon is Giancarlo Esposito. Yes, okay. Yeah. And Grief Carga is Carl Weathers. Oh, okay. I just was like, Carl Weathers. All Mandalorian based <laughs> wow, characters okay. there. Yes. Okay, so that is 15 for you and 16 for me. Well, no, you still well, have seven. one more of mine that I didn't do even I? ask you yet. Oh, I do. My, my eighth one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's that? Chirrut Imway. Chirrut, 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 Chirrut Imway. Chirrut Imway. No, that's that one. So Chirrut Imway is Donnie Yen. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. I forgot where we on because I'd finished my round. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so I missed three. You missed three, so you're on fifteen. I missed one. One. So seventeen. And, and the answer was Guy Henry. Guy Henry. Of course yes. it is. Okay, okay. Well, here we go. Round three. You already won. It's fine. Round three. You don't need Five. To do this. You need to embarrass me further. It's fine. 
I don't know. I don't know. You might. <laughs> you, you just might. You just might, you know. Round three, five characters. Are you ready? No. <laughs> Are you ready, though? Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> In theory. <laughs> Vice Admiral Holdo. Wait, what? Oh, um... Vice Admiral <laughs> Holdo. Is that Laura Dern? It is. It is <laughs> Laura Dern. I haven't seen that movie in a forever. Um, a General Dodonna. General Dodonna. General Dod. Which one's General Dodonna? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is supposed to be the hardest round. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on him. Okay. <laughs> um, go for another general then. General Veers. Oh. Ooh. I know that name. Veers. General Veers. Oh my gosh. I know that name. <laughs> I don't remember who that is. Pass. Okay. Uh, Sabe. 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 Sabe is. No, that's not Sabe. Who's Sabe? I thought Sabe was Zam Wessel then for a minute, and I was really going to get mad with you because how the hell am I supposed to remember who played <laughs> Zam Wessel? Sabe. Sabe's got to be a Rogue One character. No? <laughs> Pass. God damn. <laughs> General Pride. General Pride. Who's that? <laughs> I don't know who that is. No, no, no for General Pride. Okay. Pass. Pass. This is this is going about as well as round three should have gone. <laughs> um, Dorme. Dorme will possibly be Kira Knightley. Incorrect. Oh, what? I bet that's Sabi. <laughs> God damn it! The answer is Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne. Yes, of course a very it is. tiny role, but she is is uh, Padme's like handmaiden. Yes, of course yes. it is. Of course it is. Cobb Vamp. <sighs> I'm just going to. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Now I'm like, I'm remembering somebody, but I'm like, is that the somebody I just skipped? I don't know. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna skip again. <laughs> okay, okay. How many more have you got for me? Two? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Which one what was this one? That one was Cobb Vanth. Okay. I'm trying to like is he this one or the one that you said before? <laughs> okay, I mean I think it's the I think it's the one you said before. So I'm gonna okay. hold on to okay. it and, and skip. Um 
<clears throat> Lady Proxima. That's got to be a solo character. <laughs> um, wow, I haven't got a clue. Lady <laughs> Proxima. Who the hell's even? Who the hell is even that? I don't know. I've got no idea. Well, my last one for you in my list is Law Sam Tekka. Law Sam Tekka. I know that name too. <laughs> I don't pay attention to anything. <laughs> Star Wars. Law Sam Tekka. Pass. Passing on Law Santeca. Yes. One more for me. Yes. Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma from the younger Mon Mothma. Her name, I think, is Genevieve O'Reilly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> you got one. From round three there, you got Laura Dern, Vice yes. Admiral Holdo. Did I only okay. get Genevieve O'Reilly then? Um, yes. <laughs> okay, so that's 18 to And you 16. got one outright wrong, and you skipped on three. Um, were you skipping on Lady Proxima? I got one outright wrong. Who did I get Yes, wrong? the Dormy. You oh, answered. Yes. yes, that's right, that's right. Um... So it's what is it now? Eighteen sixteen. Yes. So you can pull this back if you. You've got General Veers, General Correct. Pride, Cobb Vanth, and Lawson Tekka. Okay, I do believe Pride. Can we go for it? Is Richard E. Grant? General Pride is indeed Richard E. Grant. Eighteen okay. to seventeen. <clears throat> Veers. Years. Okay, do you want to go for your General Dodonna? General Dodonna. Or are you giving up? <sighs> Who else have I got? Who else have I got? Sabe, Lady Proxima. Right, so I'm going to go Sabe as Kira Knightley. That is correct. Okay, 19 to 17. General mm. Dodonna. Lady Proxima, I'm not going to get. I do not even remotely know who that is. <laughs> Okay. General uh, Dodana. Do you have any answers for General Veers, Cobb Vanth, or Law Santeca? <sighs> we currently stand at 1917. Veers. It's a fun game, isn't it? <laughs> no! Oh dear. I think it is. No, I don't. I don't at all. General Dodana. General Dodana is a prequel character. But where is he in the prequels? Is he a prequel character? Is he a Rogue One character? General Dodonna. Mm. 
beers is like so is the one that's like sit standing out is so familiar to me more okay, than the well, other one. I think we're going to have to push for time soon. Okay, I think, okay, so. all right, all right, okay. Oh, he was in one of those. Ugh. What's his face? Is he one of those people? Is he the grandma person or is he this beers person? The stupid maester guy. <laughs> What's his name? He's also in Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you have General Veers, Cobb Vanth, and Law Santeca. Is he Cobb Vanth or is he? Is he? I think he seems like a smarmy general. So I'm gonna say the General Veers is. What's his name? What's his name? You need names. Julian. Julian. Oh. You're so close. You're so close. <laughs> Julian Glover. Julian Glover is yes! General Vias. Okay. He also is Grandmaster Pycel. Yes. yes. I, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna get the other two. I don't. So I, I give up. So that's 1918. I'm not gonna get Dodonna either. I'm okay, not gonna Proxima. get Dodonna <laughs> or Proxima. But if you can get Cobb Vanth or Los Anteca. You can equal this. I know. I'll give you 30 seconds for Cobb Vanth or Law Santeca. Is Cobb Vanth Timothy Oliphant? Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Are you going to get Law Santeca for the win? Oh my god. Unless I don't trust that you're not searching these vinyls. I'm not. I'm not. I swear I'm not. No, I'm not going to get Larsen Teca. Okay. Okay. Call it there. A tie, I think, is a fair result after that showing, Janine. General Dodonna is who? Also, Game of Thrones alumni Ian McElhenney. Yeah. <laughs> Ian McElhenney. No. Yes. Barristan. Yes. Where? I think in Rogue One. Wow. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, Law Santeca, Janine, is Max von Sydow. The Damn very it. beginning of Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Wow. Yes. That's why I'm like, I know that name sounded Lady so Proxima. familiar. Who's Lady Proxima? I believe she's kind of the one who's holding Solo hostage, like at the beginning before he escapes and like he steals from her. And it's Linda Hunt, that little very tiny woman who was the principal oh, in okay. Kindergarten Cop. Okay. <laughs> and Grandmother wow. Willow in Pocahontas. <laughs> wow. Oscar winner, Linda Hunt. <laughs> wow. Well, there we yes. go. Do you know what? I'm quite happy that has ended in a tie after that. Yes. That was... <laughs> that was very that hard. Was, that the was fact that if I had missed Timothy Oliphant after guessing him for like three people. <laughs> that, was, that was good stuff. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> 
for another episode of Monday Madness, Janine. A greatly fun episode, yes. as always, of this show. It is not the only show you can find on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed, though, nor is it the only thing we have on the YouTube channel, is it? It is not. We also have some fun things on the channel, some fun uh, movie reviews, DVD collections, Blu-ray collection videos, uh, watch-alongs, live discussions, so check us out on the It's Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. We're always doing some fun things over here. Like, share, subscribe, do all of the things. Uh, and on this podcast feed, the It's Wonderful Podcast feed, we also have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, where I force you to watch things you haven't seen. Uh, we are going to be getting into some really fun franchise Oh, in yes, um, October, October. Oh, <laughs> as yes. you are not very excited about, we are going to be talking The Purge films all October on Morgan Hasn't Seen. Morgan's been dreading this. He's been avoiding these movies, but now mm. we're watching them and discussing them. So well, Thank God we've got one episode <laughs> of this series left before we have to get into those. Yes, so please join us in October for The Purge. And uh, this week we are closing out our uh, horror comedies uh, series with Mayhem. The yes. Shutter original crazy bonkers film. So check us out there every Wednesday with Morgan Hasn't Seen. And every Friday, we have the main show on the podcast feed. It's a wonderful podcast, our flagship show, where we give love to classic films, talk classic movies all October long. We have some fun things planned over there as well. So join us in October for some fun retrospectives on classic horror films and their modern kind of re uh, interpretations. It's yes. going to be a fun October over there as well. Oh. absolutely monday wednesday friday we have you covered on the it's a wonderful podcast feed as janine said subscribe ding the notification bells on the it's a wonderful podcast youtube channel as well for all the fun stuff we have here and subscribe obviously to the to the podcast feed itself yes. or, or on your audio places on anchor apple podcast spotify stitcher google podcast Castbox, amazon music everywhere else as well all of it's scrolling back by at the bottom of the screen if you are watching this on youtube of course you can support us on patreon if you would like patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one find the tier that's right for you there is also a donation link in the description of this episode as well if you would like to support us in those ways we could not do what we do without your support there we are endlessly grateful for the generosity of people we certainly are um you could also find the show on twitter at it's a wonderful one find me on twitter at the purple don with a three instead of the e in there because jenny three is the magic number on instagram at just the purple don all your stephen king and star wars loving stuff is where you can find me at janine to underscore on twitter janine to on instagram and tiktok if you want to get any merch for any of our shows you can see the scrolling link to our teespring shop we have some really fun designs there's some stranger things designs logos for all of our shows so check that out there if you want some merch and if you want to purchase any of my art and print form you can find that at my big cartel shop g9design.bigcartel.com yes there we go janine impression i don't know what 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 what's a good impression you could do the silly piper lorry voice from carrie if you wanted we're all gonna laugh at you that one yeah that. <laughs> we all know the one we all the, we all know the one i was alluding to three <laughs> <laughs>